Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. This week, Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell have forgotten to start the new year, so they're still on holiday. So it's me, Harriet Minter, with guest hosts Amanda Prowse and Leila Ruas. We're kicking the year off with activist, comedian and political first daughter, Grace Campbell. She makes us laugh, teaches us how to get on with men and nearly gets us taken off the air with her swearing. Plus, filmmaker Owen Assels joins us in the studio to talk about his new film, Sleeping Rough. It exposes the reality of homelessness today. If you thought you knew what it means to be out on the streets, prepare to have your point of view turned upside down. First up, it's Grace. We are joined by pretty much the current most riotous riot girl, Grace Campbell. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Grace, for anyone who doesn't know your amazing work as an activist and a comedian, give us a little summary about what you've been up to in the last couple of years. Last couple of years. Okay, so um, I guess before I started properly doing comedy, I was doing feminism uh, from a young age, I must say. (laughs) And I started the Pink Protest, which is a female activist collective. And I started that with my friends Scarlett Curtis and Alice Skinner and Honey Ross and the first campaign we worked on was the free periods campaign which is a campaign to end period poverty which is that girls basically are living in period poverty meaning they can't access like pads and tampons when they're on their periods mm-hmm. and yeah we we did that we held a protest and then we ended up with the help of jess phillips uh, who's now running to be leader mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um we ended up sort of getting a lot of money from the tampon tax fund every year given to period poverty and now they're changing the law so that there are pads and tampons in all schools and universities in the country Amazing. so i only want to ask you about this because i remember when this campaign started being sort of astonished that i didn't really even know it was a thing mm-hmm. did I, I. I missed it how did you come to find out about it and become involved so amica george mm-hmm. who was 17 Amazing. at the time yeah. we were basically making some films about like how like everyone could be an activist and so we got like <laughs> loads of cool young people to like come to scarlett's house and we were filming them and this girl amica came and she was 17 and she started this campaign the free periods campaign and uh she basically said the stat which is one in ten girls at some point uh, lives in period poverty in the uk that's the planned international statistic and we were like what like obviously i've just there've always been yeah. tampons in my house like i've never thought about it and it is it comes from privilege you know like yeah. that's why i've mm. never thought about it and then we were like this is such a sort of insanely kind of insidious thing that like 
I just had never thought about. And then as soon as we started talking about people, obviously like, what? Can I swear? Is this no, just, no, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> we were one moment where we came very close. We had to whistle very loud. God, it's yes. the first show of the year. Yeah, well, I was like, yeah. Yeah. beep, yes. beep, hell, this is mad. But it is mad. You don't think about it. No, you don't. And also, we don't talk about it, right? Because mm. there's like a, still a shame and a stigma around it. I remember when this sort of first started coming out, being like, who probably is that? Oh, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, I've definitely had months where I bought my tampons on my boots advantage points. Mm. And I was like, that's kind of, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're, talk, we're talking about people who have absolutely yeah, no, no access. access. Yeah. And that's and well, I you know, the consequences of that. Yeah. yeah. And you know that, that scene in I, Daniel Blake, where the main yeah. woman steals uh, some tampons yeah. from a supermarket. And basically, after that film came out, there was a massive surge in people donating, like, menstrual products mm -hmm. to food banks. Because you'd obviously, like, mm. you never think that yeah. that's something that people really want. And then that, because it was so sort of, like, heartbreaking watching her mm. do that. You, It's just basically you need to, like... To tell people about it and then they'll be like oh my god okay like how can i help it's one of those things that like we've never really had anyone be like f off <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really it's, gonna be, so... it's gonna be a stressful 15 minutes oh, yeah. <laughs> So you started Pink Protest, you did some amazing stuff with that, and now you are, were you a comedian before, or did this no, come out No, I was actually making films first, yeah. and then a basically um, a series of events meant that I made this Channel 4 programme called Riot Girls, and it was like me and three other comedians, uh, all women, um, doing pranks on men, mainly, uh, all around Can you give us an example? So what was a good example? Oh, we made... Um, period cupcakes so like basically we went to portobello market and we we're on portobello market we had a store and we were just like new age hippies this is my favorite one it's me and sophie duca who's this amazing comedian and basically people were coming up and we were giving out like samples of these cakes and we were called aunt Flo. like that was the name of the store and we'd give them the cake to try and then i'd be like and that was you know naturally dyed with my period blood <laughs> And people would like spit it out, like on us. Anyway, this one guy went absolutely berserk. Like one guy, actually, the first guy was like, "Oh, really? Can I have another one?" <laughs> and this one guy like absolutely went mad at me and like spat it out, threw it in my face. But then he obviously didn't sign. Uh, like what's it called like oh, he yeah. didn't oh, yeah. sign yeah. afterwards so he couldn't fit in the show which was so annoying <laughs> that was one of them it was that very fun writing really it funny. it was really fun writing it so fun <laughs> there were some things that channel four were just like no sorry <laughs> you can't you, you can't do it yeah, yeah. Oh, i want to know what they were yeah. <laughs> are you doing another series Is it no it was basically one? a show it was like a special for 100 years of suffrage basically okay. and i think kind of uh, obviously it didn't really like <laughs> land that well with most of the country i don't think the numbers were amazing everyone's googling it right I now mean, people like us absolutely <laughs> loved it and wanted more but a lot of people stopped watching in the break <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> what happened? <laughs> How did they tell you?
that. Like, uh, no, no one told me. And then I have a friend who works in TV, and she's like, I've got some really bad news. The good news and bad news. The good news is your cupcakes are going yeah. into production. The bad news, nobody wants You're going to have time to make them. Um, so where did you go from um, there? What came next? So basically... The other three girls I was in Riot Girls with are all amazing comedians. Cam Spence, Jem Wakefield and Sophie Duca. And they were all, this is like why I love women supporting other women. They were all like, Grace, you have got to do stand-up. Like, you're just naturally, you just got it. You just sort of do it. And they all helped me get into stand-up. And Jen helped me, like, write my first five-minute set. And then they all helped me get gigs. And so then that was last April. And it was all very quick. I started doing stand-up last April. And then in I went to the Fringe in August. And I was like, I have to bring a show next year. And everyone was like, you're crazy. Like, you've been doing this for five minutes. Like, slow down. And I was like, no, I'm doing it. I don't care if people hate it. I'm doing it. So then I wrote a show and took it to Edinburgh. How? And now I'm touring. I mean, doing something like Riot Girls is completely different from stand-up. I mean, stand-up comedy is the one thing I, I could never... I mean, really, my daughter's life would have to depend on it for me to even attempt it. Yeah. I'm talking what? about it, Leila. I can feel yeah, my... I, I feel like I'm getting Yeah, anxiety. the worst. Yeah. Why? Why would you want to put yourself in Because I'm an attention seeker. <laughs> yeah. I think my dad, when I, I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it? it's the like, you know, I've, I've, my dad was so, in some way, in many ways, actually, for those who don't know, he, he's a man called Alistair Campbell. He is an attention seeker. Like, my dad has sort of built his career on like, people kind of listening to him and watching him. He said he made up this illness when I was a kid where he said I have ASD, which is attention seeking disorder. <laughs> I've always kind of loved having the limelight. So that wasn't it for me. It wasn't like, oh I'm scared of like standing on a stage. It was like I need to make them laugh. Like I don't I'm not scared about standing on a stage and talking. It's the laughing though. You're relying on people finding you funny. Exactly. And for a second if you stop doing that, then you're not doing your job properly. And that was why going from activism to comedy was this really weird kind of almost backwards jump because I was so good at like talking about issues but then I was like no 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 that's not my purpose here my purpose is just to make people laugh. <laughs> what have you ever had a show where people didn't laugh? Um yeah like, I've done gigs where people haven't yeah. laughed for sure uh I've, I mean I've done really bad gigs. What was that like? My worst gig was um in Greenwich and this was a really not long into doing stand-up and I was talking about quite confidently about who my dad was and this woman just Obviously, she was not a fan. She came onto the stage. Yeah, was definitely going to hit me if someone did. Yeah, I was like, what is going on? But I, but then it taught me a lot because I think I'd gone into it thinking, oh, no one's going to hate my dad. And then after that moment,
Welcome back to Badass Women's RXL, where we are talking to Grace Campbell, star of Riot Girls and daughter of Alistair Campbell. We're talking about your dad, Grace. Before the break, we you said you had this thing about, I thought, everyone loves my dad. It'll be fine. <laughs> Not always the case. No, for sure. <laughs> um, what's it like being the daughter of somebody so well-known? Because we, we kind of go, oh, wow, you know, it's, you, you've got a famous dad. That's a leg up. That helps. What are the good and the bad? Oh, it definitely is a leg up, you know. I got to do a show so quickly because I was like slightly arrogantly, yeah, I'm going to be able to get people to come and listen to this show about growing yeah. up in politics. So, and there's... Sorry. Apologies for anyone who heard that. I'm sorry. Um, I would never say that, but I guess it, it, the way I've seen it is I've never seen him as famous. Sorry, I can see you. I'm really sorry. I That's always okay. do that. Just blame my dad. Blame my dad. <laughs> um, the way I've seen it is it's not actually like... He's not famous in my yeah. eyes. He's like in politics. It's a different kind of yeah, like yeah. knownness where like people have an opinion on you. Whereas if you're like a celebrity, most people, you know, aren't that like kind of offended by you. Whereas yeah. a lot of people really, really, really don't like my dad very strongly. Um, so I, I've never really seen it as like that kind of fame. So I guess I was just really hyper aware as a child especially because like the Iraq war happened when I was like nine and that was when we had kind of like protesters outside our house wow. all the time and like my dad would get a lot of abuse in the streets um so I was definitely aware of it then but I because I was so young I didn't really know like what had actually happened until I was older I talk about all of this in the show very complex um how do you feel about politics now and you say it's not something you would ever go into and yet you've been an activist which is political mm. How do you feel about it? Uh, I don't know. Like, basically, the, w the way I'm looking at the Labour Party right now, there is no place for me in it. You know, we'll see what happens with the leadership. Uh, I think I've just seen that Keir Starmer's announced that he's going to run. Mm. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I don't feel like I have a sort of home politically, like I grew up in the Labour Party. And I definitely am different to my dad in some ways, but I'm not. A Corbynite, I really thought the election was going to be that car crash, and I don't think they can scapegoat it on like New Labour and the other things that they're scapegoating on at the moment. Um, so that's one reason I could never go into politics right yeah, now. Bizarrely, Grace, I think you speak for so many people, it sounds like yeah. it's exactly the right time for you to go into politics. Yeah, but then they have all of these other reasons, which is like, you know, I swear every 30 seconds <laughs> on the radio after I've been told, after I've been told I can't, you know, like, I've taken loads of drugs, like, I'm, I'm actually, I would be a terrible, I would also be a terrible politician because I'm inherently quite selfish and, as I said, just an attention seeker. We don't want people who are just attention seekers in politics that's the problem right now in politics. They're all attention seekers. Do you know what? They're refreshing. We wouldn't have to dig it out of your closet. You can tell us It's already there. Um, so I, I want to help, you know, other people and in any ways I can, which is why activism is quite fulfilling. Mm. But I'd rather be a comedian. Mm. You have a podcast with your dad called mm. Football Feminism and Everything in Between. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what... I guess, what has that taught you about your dad that you didn't know to begin with? And what do you think it's teaching you about maybe the relationship between the generations? Because I think that is a really big kind of controversial thing at the moment, which is certainly for me, my parents that I grew up with and I thought I completely understood. We don't. We don't understand each other, particularly politically. We're just, mm. we, we have to have huge bans on 
topics over Sunday yeah. lunch because we can't do it. <laughs> what what has like, having these conversations with your dad taught you? Well, I think it came around because of that. It came around because there were so many things. And my dad, like, to his respect, he is so willing to like learn on some stuff. So he hates being told he's wrong, which is what I learned as soon as we started doing the podcast. You cannot tell him he's wrong. And I'm like, well, on a lot of stuff he is. But he is kind of up for being shouted at by me in yeah. a public forum when I say you just don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> like Tesco. Just like stuff on women and like, you know, social media and there's like lots of different things that have happened and it has been at times really challenging. Like I, I wouldn't recommend for people with like mental illness, which is what <laughs> both of me and my dad have, to work with a family member because it is so challenging in so many different ways. But we do kind of talk. We do talk about the different ways that we've been raised and the different opinions that we have and the different life experiences that we have. And I think there's a lot that that generation can learn from this generation and actually younger than me right now which is why Greta Thunberg is the phenomenon mm. that she is is because they're like we don't know what to do we're looking to other people for answers um but yeah I don't know how much longer I'll do it for just so you can still do Christmas together yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun point. Like, it, it is fun it is fun but he's such a big character. No, 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 he's such a big character and so am I. And then I was like, oh, this is how I became the way I am because I was raised by you. But actually, should we, uh, do we work together well? I don't know. It's definitely gotten easier, second season. Do you think, we talk about the relationship between fathers and daughters and how that then influences a woman's kind of relationship with men. And I, I, I feel that's really true. Mm. I like to blame my dad for pretty much a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, having this kind of a big character as a father, how has that impacted how you see men? Um, it's really interesting. So I talk about in this in the show, in my Edinburgh show. I basically grew up thinking I have to be like my dad, have to be like my dad, have to be like my dad. And then it was like in my late teens, I was like, I really undervalued my mum in so many ways. Mm. Like my mum is amazing and she actually worked for Tony and Tree Blair. She's a journalist. She's campaigned a lot on improving like the quality of education, of state education in this country. She just doesn't shout about it all the time, right? Yeah. So she's not like a braggy person. So I never really valued her. And so, and then in the show I talk about, and, and in life, and I realised this doing the podcast, my boyfriend's actually here right now and he's not like my dad at all, which I love because as I said, my dad drives me mad and people like that drive me mad because I'm one of them. Um, but my mum, I basically had this realisation, I was like, I actually like really value those things that my mum has, which is like empathy, patience, being able to like be calm in kind of a crisis, things that we don't value in politicians enough, which is why we are where we are now. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a long wind. I don't know if I answered your question, <laughs> but I've got you know a nice boyfriend here with me. He's come on a Saturday night, so <laughs> he's done very well. Probably well done very him. angry at me right now. <laughs> talking about him. Do you think for kind of women of your generation, is it how do you what do you think about the gender wars within your generation? So um, it feels in the last kind of ten years that men and women have sort of slightly been at war with each other and not really understanding each other. And I have a lot of men saying to me, oh, I don't really know what my place is and what can I do? What can't I do? And, and I'm going, it's really obvious. How do you mm. not know the answer to this? Has that eased 
for your company good ten years I'm not sure like I think about this a lot because I'm writing this short book mm -hmm. at the moment for Tortoise which is called The Future of Men and I've been thinking a lot about like because I've always been someone who's like I think we should talk to men you know I'm like other, yeah. to the other feminists look I know you think they're all awful but they are half of the population they have a lot of power I think we should talk to them I think we should get them involved and That's a lot the of politician in you talking yeah <laughs> I think it is it's the like diplomacy yeah. of like look they are the gatekeepers still yeah. in in many ways if we can sort of infiltrate and influence them then great a lot of women you know don't agree with that and I completely understand where they're coming from because so I talk you know there's this idea that all men are trash right mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm doing this bit on how I don't think men are trash they think they're recycling so I think they can be improved, basically. There's a lot of room for improvement and reuse. I don't think we should just throw them out permanently. Do you think that we... I'm just imagining some of our listeners' papers now we're called recycling. You know what? We've got a comedian coming in. You go, oh, I wonder if we'll laugh. We haven't stopped. We haven't stopped laughing for a minute. Oh, gosh. Do you think then that women can be improved as well? Because this is the thing, right, which is... And I have been one of those women who's very angry with men and she's like I just can't can't deal with you and I've over the years calmed it down a bit um do we need to look at actually how women are talking to men differently I yeah I completely agree and actually another bit I'm giving you <laughs> stuff. so I'm doing this bit on how like you know the patriarchy if the patriarchy was a human they'd be called Pat Pat is a man and a woman's name so basically <laughs> like the patriarchy affect men and women and both men and women uphold the patriarchy so yeah like women do have ways that they need to change and that's what comes from us having open conversations with men you know it's that thing if we just shut the doors and say i'm, I'm actually not having this conversation with you how are we going to find out like how their how our experiences or our behaviors or thoughts affect them and vice versa so i just think and I think younger people are generally better at that, like yeah. people younger than me, I mean. But, um, yeah, I mean, being a feminist now, it is like with a certain type of man and some women, they just don't even want to kind of have a conversation because they're now like, well, I'm just, I'm going to say something wrong and then you're just going to get really angry at me. And then, you know, it's all, and it's like, no, I'm quite forgiving yeah. in most ways. Like, I'd much rather us have a conversation and but you get not, it wrong and yeah. me get it wrong and than also us the, not talk. Yeah, exactly. That. We get it wrong all the yeah. time, which is, and I think that's the important thing to recognise, which is if you're in a changing world, everyone is going to get it wrong at some point. And yeah. the point is not to get it right the whole time. The point is to be able to acknowledge, actually, do you know what? That was a screw up on my behalf. I got it wrong. That we'll was a screw up on your behalf. We all learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grace, it's been absolutely lovely chatting to you. If people want to come and see your talk, which I definitely think they should, um, because quite frankly, it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> a bit sweary. Um, Very sweary. Very sweary. Um, I've got some dates here. It is on Monday, 17th and 18th. Of February 2020 at the Soho Theatre and Sunday 23rd of February at the Leicester Comedy Festival. Uh, oh, and lots oh, you of other days. to read them all out. No, there were loads. loads. I was like, I thought it was all through March, basically, all over the country and Ireland. If people want to find you, find out more, where can they find you? Um, Instagram, Disgrace Campbell, and Twitter, Grace Campbell. Brilliant. It has been hilarious and brilliant having you in. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. You can get in touch on all the socials on at Badass Women's Hour. We will be back after this. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now, if, like me, you have been wandering the streets of London this Christmas and thinking how thankful you are not to be sleeping rough, then our next guest can probably share some stories that are, I think, going to be a bit tough to hear, but also really important because uh, the homelessness crisis, particularly in London, feels like it has escalated in the last few years, and I'm sure it is the same around the country. Owen Estelle's filmmaker of new film Sleeping Rough has been interviewing uh people living out on the streets all about their experiences. Owen, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. What, first of all, started you off thinking you wanted to look at this as a topic? Uh, well, it goes back quite a few years, to be fair. Um, and I, I often find it quite a difficult question to answer, I think, because um, I've had kind of pers you know, personal <laughs> experiences um, of homelessness in certain forms, uh, however nowhere near as extreme as uh, what a lot of people go through, particularly the people that we worked with on the film. Um, but I think more than anything, it was just about actually, like you said, seeing how sun there was a rise um, in homelessness in all its form, you know, street homelessness, as well as people in temporary accommodation. Um, and just as a filmmaker, basically thinking, well, okay, you know, I want to be able to do something to contribute to this crisis, uh, what can I do? And again, like I said, being a filmmaker, um, I felt like that was the best way that I could contribute. We should probably actually talk about how we define homelessness, because mm -hmm. when we use the word homelessness, we assume people living on the street, but that's not the whole definition, is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Um, I think, to be fair, that's a, the way a lot of people first uh, gain awareness of it. That's certainly how I did as well. And a lot of people don't even classify other ways of living, basically, as homeless. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.